Welcome to Crisis Management, Columbus Business First podcast on seeing your business through the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Carrie Ghosh. Today's guest is Ralph Andretta, CEO of Columbus-based Alliance Data Systems Corporation. He was hired last November in a surprise move from Citigroup. This is his first interview with Business First since he started in February. And that's when he joined a growing list of Central Ohio leaders who took the helm of their companies just as the coronavirus pandemic was crashing across the country. Alliance Data runs branded credit cards for retailers in fashion, beauty, and home improvement. And it has a division in Texas that operates loyalty programs like airline miles. In fact, that office outside Dallas used to be the headquarters until the middle of 2019. We talk about the surprising resilience of the credit card business, even as retailers are struggling through the pandemic, and how the company drew on lessons from the Great Recession to help customers avoid defaulting on their accounts. Andretta also finally told us his choice on whether to keep the headquarters in the office complex over at Easton or return south. Hope you enjoy it, and thanks as always for listening. To business first. Thank you very much for joining us. Today our guest is Ralph Andretta, new to Alliance Data Systems Corporation and to Central Ohio. You are joining a, a growing exclusive club of brand new CEOs and presidents and leaders who uh, take on a big new job and then a global pandemic at the same time here in Columbus. So was this what you signed on for and how's it been going? So far, um, even though your business is dependent on retail spending and airline travel, both of them deeply impacted by the crisis, you've managed to you know, have revenue declines, but still turn eke out a profit uh, through the quarterly results that we have so far. So a lot of that had to do with the expense savings that had been ongoing and that you've identified uh, since coming on board. Why don't you give us a little overview of how uh, Alliance Data is managing through this crisis. I don't think you ever signed on for a pandemic. <laughs> uh, I get uh, questions from uh, colleagues and statements like, wow, you picked the wrong time to be a CEO of a public company. And I, I couldn't disagree anymore. I, I think it's the, nobody likes a pandemic, but it's a perfect time. I, I think the pandemic has, has done three things for us. One, it has really identified where our development areas are and where our weaknesses were as an organization. And, you know, they've gotten, they've kind of gotten magnified in the pandemic. Two, it's given me the opportunity to see my leadership team, you know, in battlefield conditions and, you know, who, are, who stepped up to be good leaders and, and how we're managing through this as a leadership team. And three, it's really highlighted opportunity for us for the future. So I view it as really a, um, you know, an opportunity to be battle tested. I probably have done more decision making in the last six months, given the pandemic, than I would have done in a uh, normal course of business. You know, some of the things we did up front, you know, quite frankly, were to make sure that the um, health and welfare of our associates was first and foremost. And we, you know, did that in a, in, in, in a pretty uh, quick, efficient way. And 95% of our force is working from home, still is. You know, second thing we did is make sure that we had, you know, good liquidity, that we were able to manage through, you know, this difficult period of time. And, and by doing that, we suspended share buybacks, we reduced our dividend as a, to an to a appropriate level, 
and we cut expenses by a couple hundred million dollars. Some of that was variable, and some of those were things that were done that started prior to my arrival, but we kind of saw them through, and other opportunities where we thought it was time to rein in expenses, albeit some temporary, but certainly rein in expenses. And last, you know, how, you know, where would we invest smartly in the future? Because, you know, this pandemic won't last forever, and you want to invest smartly in the future to come out of this stronger than you went in. So that's kind of the tact we, we took my first 45 days in, into the organization. Yeah, I had been looking through some of the uh, most recent stories, and when you came on, the company said, well, we're identifying $200 million in operational savings. Sure. The next quarter of the report came out, well, it was actually $270 million. And then it was, we identified $100 million more. And you said some of that's variable and some of it is not. So how sure. are you coming fresh into a situation and, and getting your first look deep into the books? How are you able to so almost double the um, already ambitious savings targets that the, the company had laid out? Yeah, so a couple of things. So there was really fine work done before I got here. And a lot of the, some of that benefit kicked in prior to uh, the end of the year, and, and some of it is carryover. Other ones were, you know, we did, I would say we didn't have a hiring freeze, but we were more focused on the positions that we were going to put in place and more thoughtful about the positions we were going to, to hire for. Marketing expenses, we pulled back because when your partners are closed, marketing dollars at that point really are useless, for lack of a better term. And we said, you know, well, you know, when you're, you're in co constant contact with our, our partners and said, when you're back, we're back. But in the interim, we're going to, you know, we're going to pull back on marketing because it's dollars that are not well spent. There's no return for them. You know, having our, our facilities closed, it throws off some benefit in terms of heat, light, and power and things that would normally be your operating expenses kind of uh, abate a bit as well. Um, we've really focused on moving things to digital in the near term, uh, reducing our costs to serve. And we've seen a real pickup in digital, and that's always helpful to us as well. So a variety of, of opportunities. On the risk management side, we took some, uh, some of our contingent liability off the table to make sure that we didn't have a lot of exposure in the marketplace. We, you know, we made sure that we were giving people the right credit line, not e either giving them a low credit line or a high credit line, but giving them what we thought and what history thought was appropriate for them to, to, to manage through this pandemic. So a variety, of, um, a variety of opportunities and things that came to the fore. When it came to moving your workforce home, especially since it's a call center intensive business, there are different call centers that I covered here in town. And uh, there's kind of two paths. One is we were already built to be cloud-based and digital, and all they had to do is pick up their laptops and their headsets and move. The other was we had to go buy a bunch of laptops or we had a physical on-site server that was difficult to connect to from a home environment. So which situation were you in and how difficult from a technological standpoint was the transition? It was a bit of a hybrid. We had people working at home and actually to my surprise, pleasant surprise, more people than where I come from in a work from home environment and it was pretty efficient. So the things we had to buy, we maybe we had to buy some some PCs, but headsets and things that people would need to feel comfortable working at home. But we were pretty much up and running after two to three weeks of, you know, intense preparation where you saw your service levels dip and then 
you know, given the, uh, you know, given the volume we were seeing and, you know, kind of reconfiguring us working from home, I'd say we had, you know, two weeks to get our act together. But after that, it's been pretty smooth. And, and the work from home environment is really resonating with our, with our associates. They like it. They enjoy working from home and their productivity hasn't declined. We've seen productivity either maintain or, or somewhat increase because of the stressless environment that they're they're in now in terms of not commuting and not worrying about you know childcare and so we I'm very very pleased with how we have adopted to work at home our technology um, has held up our infrastructure has held up very well and it's kind of blazed a path for us in the future and what would be that balance of work from home and and be in the office. So the flip side of that is uh, the company just in recent years invested all this money to build this new Easton complex. And I know you closed a, a call center and consolidated from Westerville, mm-hmm. but how much of this change do you anticipate being permanent? And you know, how, how much need do you have for buildings like this anymore? Yeah, we haven't arrived at a permanent number yet. I think it'll be more than it was before the pandemic and less than you know, then, you know, 75% or 100%. So we haven't really arrived at a number yet. Uh, I think, listen, I, I, I think the Eastern site is, is beautiful. It, you know, it's, it's just such a nice campus. And we'll use that campus. I mean, it, uh, we may not use it in the same way as we intended, but it'll be, you know, a community for us. And we may reconfigure the space to be more of a communal space and a space where people will touch down and get information and, and socialize rather than it being a traditional, a traditional work environment, more learning and development. And, uh, and, you know, we will still have on-site work. I will still be there on site, uh, but people will tend to probably have a mix of work from home and, and on-site and therefore, you know, we'll have a lot of touchdown space. And so I'm thinking about the future. I think the most important thing, as you transition to an environment that now is a hybrid from work from home and work at the office, is you gotta be able to make sure you create the culture you wanna create as a company. And people feel that they belong to something or engage in an organization, that they're just not out there tethered and, and feel like they're, they're a transaction rather than they've gotta be a part of something. And I think you have, to have, you have to have physical locations to do that and you have to have some social interaction. So you know, we're in the process of rethinking our community of making sure that people are fairly compensated for the work that they do when they hit their, you know, their, their performance uh, metrics, that their performance metrics are very, you know, very spelled out, that we can monitor, the, monitor them effectively and objectively and ensure that people feel that there's a career development path, even though they're working, you know, off their bedroom and not, not off an office in Eastern. So that's what we're working through. You know, I think we cracked the hard part, which was the technology. Now that we have the technology, how do you fill in the blanks in terms of making people feel that they're still part of a community? Um, the company had gone through a lot of upheaval before you came. Um, and one of the uns- unanswered questions that they said they were leaving to you was whether to keep the global headquarters here in Columbus or move them back to Plano where they had just been moved from five months earlier. And I'm sure your plan to tour global headquarters has been interrupted or global operations has been interrupted. Have you had a chance to think on or make that decision yet? Yes, uh, our headquarters is Columbus. Uh, I'm very comfortable there. We have a terrific staff in Plano. That staff is, is, is more corporate oriented, but the staff in Plano is more card centric. And I think the cards business is where uh, needs the most care and feeding right now as an organization. 
I don't intend on moving headquarters anyplace else but Columbus. I have a terrific apartment downtown on High Street. I'm really enjoying that uh, before the pandemic, I was really enjoying the downtown community. I intend to, to continue to do that. Uh, I think it's a really interesting, nice city, great restaurants and uh, great outside activities. So I'm very pleased to be there and I don't have any intention of moving headquarters from Columbus. What about the future of the business as far as your, your partners? Um, there are retailers for whom you run cards that are bankrupt or closing stores. What, how do you see them recovering? Uh, you talked a lot about diversity or you know, increasing the types of customers you serve. How, how do you long-term uh, come out of this? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think a couple of things. Yeah, I, I, you know, you read a bunch of articles about the depth of the mall and, uh, you know, the, you know, nobody will be going to the mall anymore. I, I, I quite frankly think the mall is a place, again, it's a social place, a place for gathering. And I think there's always going to be a place for that. And I think what, what mall owners have done has made it a, made it a destination rather than just a shopping place, but a destination for different types of activities. So I always think there'll be a, you know, a, a place for the mall. Now the stores may be differently. There may be more showrooms than purchases, but they will indeed, I, I think they will indeed play a part. You know, bankruptcies, when you're in the, you know, when you're working with retailers or partners are really just part of the business. I've, I've come from organizations before where we've had airlines go bankrupt. Uh, and I think bankruptcy is a, a step in, in kind of step, taking a step back, reorganizing your debt, reorganizing your operations and coming out stronger uh, than you did before. That's in, in most cases. So when somebody goes chapter 11, it doesn't mean they cease operations. It means they're just, you know, seeking protection for bankruptcy and restructuring their debt. They're still, we're still, you know, people are still shopping in those stores and we're, they're still charging on our cards and they're still paying their bills. So that, you know, that fact is, you know, is, is minimal to us in the, in the near term. Uh, now they may shut down some stores and that may take care of volume, but everybody pivots to online. And I think some of the early investments we made and the investments we continue to make in digital is we're going to be right where you know our customers are. You know we're going to be in all different channels. You got to be multi-channel now to service the customer. And I think we we are continuing to make investments in digital. And you know we'll give the customer the opportunity to shop in the channel that they wish to shop in. Uh, we'll continue to do that. As far as diversity, yeah, I would say we probably have a high concentration in apparel, um, just given the the partners that we have. But we are, you know, if you look at, at our recent signings and things we're doing, we're pivoting to, to beauty and home improvement and a variety of other in the, you know, uh, uh, verticals in the retail industry that kind of diversifies our, um, our, our private label portfolio. In addition, you know, where, you know, we've actively pursued and won a couple of co-brands out there that are important to us. Every portfolio in our total portfolio does different things. So you want, you want those co-brand portfolios because they're high spending, and their their credits a bit better than you would see on private label, and you kind of balance all that out. So, you know, I'm very pleased with, you know, with with the array of, of customers we have, both private label and 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 uh, co-brand. Want to add to that? Want to continue to grow volume? Uh, you want to grow volume within your current customer base. You want to add partners, and you want to uh, introduce new products to to drive continued volume. So, a variety of ways, but I I think we've. Um, you know, our partners have taken a step back and rightly so. And some of them were kind of on the ropes before the pandemic and the pandemic just, you know, gave them a little nudge to bankruptcy. And I think some of them are being very diligent about 
reining in the, their sales and coming out a little bit more stronger. So we're excited about that. And our job is to, to help them through that. And when they do come out of bankruptcy, to be there to help them market and, and drive volume. You've instituted some forbearance and interest reductions uh, for uh, retail consumers. How do you see that right now affecting default rates? And conversely, do you think this is building loyalty to these cards? I think the team has done a really nice job in learning from the past. When the pandemic hit, and obviously you think about your, your credit situation, we went back to the Great Recession and kind of modeled some scenarios off the Great Recession. I'm not sure Alliance Data had a deep enough bench when it came to the forbearance programs they offered customers. That has changed. So, you know, we have three-month programs, six-month programs, skip a payment. Uh, we do have a 12-month program. What we're seeing is customers taking advantage of the shorter-term programs. They, you know, they want to still be engaged with us. They want to still be active. They're not throwing in the towel in terms of a 12-month program. Uh, most of it is, you know, we've seen people skip a month and also, you know, come back and want to be engaged with us. And what we've also seen is people are paying not just their minimum due, but a bit better than their minimum due on their cards. If you've got that kind of engagement, uh, that's what you want. That drives loyalty. You're on their mind to be, uh, you know, every month. So they're, they're keeping up with their bills, they're spending, and they're paying. That's, that, that's exactly what's type of loyalty you want. I think we've done a nice job uh, in offering the, the, the customer base who are seeing hard times um, uh, some, some temporary relief. And, and, and I've, seen, I've seen people, you know, be grateful for that. I mean, the, the nature of your business introduces some, some confusion as to who is ultimately the customer. So is your customer Victoria's Secret or is your customer the shopper at Victoria's Secret or is it both? Yeah, we're, you know, I, I, I categorize us as B2B and B2C, right? So with B2B in terms of we got these partners and, you know, our job is to help those partners uh, at the point of sale or on the, you know, at, at the point in transaction, provide their customers with a bigger, with, a, uh, with an opportunity to, uh, to spend. And by, by virtue, we're giving the, 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 the partner the opportunity to kind of accrue a bigger basket because we're extending credit. By the same token, that customer who we are who we are extending credit to is our customer as well. So we are, you know, we're very cognizant of, of the right, you know, the right treatments for that customer in terms of underwriting, the right treatment for that customer in terms of marketing, how we approach them. So I'd say, you know, one is a partner and one is a customer of ours. But our job, you know, job one is to enhance the value uh, of that customer for our partner. Coming out of this, yeah, uh, hopefully that we do. There were probably some things you had in mind that were interrupted. So long-term, what kind of innovation or future do you see for the company? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure it was, we were interrupted. We were, we were, I'd say we were slowed down a little bit. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't you know, pull up, uh, pull up stakes on the future. We just kind of fit that in around making sure that we were comfortable with the present. And, and got through the present. You know, I, I, I think of our future in three phases. So, you know, right now I'd say we are in the recover phase. We, we are ensuring that we're caring for our associates, we're caring for our customers, we're working hard with our partners, we're making sure we have the right liquidity, and we are investing wisely in the organization. I think coming out of this, you're in the rebuild phase. 
you're going to invest in digital. You're going to invest in, you know, you want to you want to get that pipeline of new partners. You want to get that genned up to make sure that you're, you know, you're you're ready to grow your portfolios. You want to introduce new products and services in this phase. And I think that that rebuild phase probably lasts like 18 to 14 months. And then you're in the regrow phase. So now you're you know, you've got some new partners, you've got some new products, your, your original partners are, are healthier than they were, you know, 12, 14 months ago when you're starting to regrow that accounts receivable. And I think there's a, a lot of ways to do that uh, with new partners, you know, new, new products like installment lending and, and equal pay, uh, enhancing our, our, our products in terms of usage. So for our co-brand partners, whether it's tap and pay, uh, chip, uh, we've got to be there, you know, loading into the into an Apple wallet or or a um, a Samsung wallet, whatever it might be. We're we're focused on those types of things for the future, where we were probably a, a, maybe a a bit a step behind in terms of digital investment. You know, we've taken our opportunity during the pandemic to invest wisely in digital to gen that up, and also in data and analytics. I think you know ADS and uh, you know as an outsider looking in when I was working for the competition. You know, data and analytics seem to always be a strong suit of, um, of Alliance data, and uh, we will continue to invest in that. Think about what, what passes through our organization, 40 million customers a year, their spending habits, how they spend, where they spend, when they spend. How do you accumulate that data and, and, and match that with your partner data and make your, your observations and your decisions stronger because they're based on, based on good analytics? And we'll continue to invest in those areas as well. Um, have you been able to engage with your fellow Central Ohio, you know, to get, to get introduced to the Central Ohio community, to engage with the partnership? You know, obviously you have some of your partners are based here, but, you know, how have you found the Central Ohio business community to be? Unfortunately, that's probably the part that's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit in terms of interaction with partners. When I first joined, my, my first port of call was to interact with our associate base, was to do a, a town halls and a host of, um, of meet and greet to show the, show the associates who I was and what my thinking was and have them ask me any questions they needed to ask. Soon after that, the pandemic hit, and while the partners and I were willing to get together, there were other priorities, you know, at the, um, you know, on the onset, everybody kind of looked inward instead of outward in terms of, you know, securing their organization. Since then, I've met with, you know, a number of partners, uh, uh, you know, the, the, a couple of alliances in, in, in Columbus. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm an admirer of the nationwide uh, hospital. I, you know, hope to be a, a part of that and be somebody that could add value there to, to, uh, to the hospital. I think it's a true, you know, a great cause and a great opportunity. Uh, when I get back after Labor Day, I think, you know, part of my, you know, focus is really to spend some time with the Columbus business community. This is the first time I've had an opportunity to speak with you directly. So I wasn't able to ask a question that, you know, would have been uh, right at the tip of our minds back in November, December, but you were initially hired to, to be the COO under a succession plan. And yeah. the decision was made to accelerate that and just go ahead and make you CEO right away. And I, I didn't know how much you were involved in that decision. Had you started already and, and seen something about the operation that made the transition more urgent? You know, it, and what was your response to that kind of upheaval? 
originally I, uh, I did interview for the COO job and I, uh, I went out to meet, to meet the, you know, the then CEO and we had a very pleasant conversation and, you know, I, I had, um, you know, concluded that probably the COO job and given where I was at Citibank and what I wanted to do probably wasn't the right role for me at this point in my career. So I, uh, I politely told the search firm that pretty interesting, but I'm not, wasn't what I was exactly looking for. Two, three weeks later, I got a call from the search firm and uh, they said that the board of directors would like to talk to me about the CEO job. So I really had nothing other, nothing to do with it other than being a candidate for the COO job. I, I met with the board and they asked me my opinion about what I would do to move this company forward. And I gave them my, my perspective on things I would do differently and things that I, I had done in my career. And my career is pretty much, a, I, I've, I've done a lot of turnarounds, but I've done those turnarounds in large multi national organizations like American Express and City. So I've never been, you know, at, at the uh, front end or an entrepreneurial type in this, this type of organization. So when they offered it to me, I was very excited. I, I come from a very modest background as a child. I put myself through school to be a CEO of a public company, quite a privilege. And something that certainly for me really caps my career. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to do it. I'm very proud to do it. I spent a little bit of time with Melissa post the announcement. She couldn't have been more gracious. I think her view was I was probably the right person for the right time uh, to move this forward. And I'm really excited to be here. And, you know, in terms of the, the staff, it's, it's essentially the same team that Melissa had. Probably juggled it a little bit here and there, but essentially the same team. And, you know, the same leadership is, is in place. So I'm excited about it. And like I said, it's a, it's a privilege to lead an organization. And for me, um, from... Where I came from and my background, you know, it's 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 a bit of a dream come true for me. So I wasn't aware of that that this was a move to land you. Period. Yeah. The company is about half the size employee wise as it was two years ago, and some of that was there was a large division divested. Yeah. Um, but you know, even since the last time we did a, a head count, it, another five hundred jobs have been reduced over the last couple of months. Um, looking at the last quarterly report. The company doesn't anticipate any more restructuring costs due to personnel reductions. So you do think, do you think the downsizing is finished? Obviously, I, I, my, my desire is to grow this organization, not shrink this organization. I came here to grow this organization, not shrink it. So in terms of the, the people we have working here, we have volumes and, and I think we're adequately staffed for that. I think the leadership team is the right leadership team today. Things may, may change in the future, but my view is to grow this organization and not shrink it. I, I don't think, you know, from the pandemic, I, you know, our view was we needed the people to be present and on board. And I don't think we've had you know, many, many people leave from the pandemic at all from a, you know, a restructuring perspective. But, you know, we're going to do the right things for our shareholders. We're going to do the right things for our, our, our employees and our customers as we move forward. Organizations ebb and flow. At this point, you know, I think we're adequately, adequately staffed. What were some of the examples of those things you told the board, here's what I would change, and how many of those have you been able to act on in the present circumstance? There were a lot of things in play and a lot of, you know, a lot of things that were, what I would say were, were really, you know, good ideas on how to move forward. My view was, how do you clear out all the clutter? So getting rid of, you know, pet projects and, and, and things that 
weren't really going to move the organization forward, right? So I think, you know, in the business we're in, focus is key. You know, you need to focus your energies and your, your people on, on two or three things and not dilute, their, not dilute your resources. And one of the things I told the organizations, that certainly what I would, I would focus on. What are the two or three most important things? Uh, and it would be, you know, you know, business development, you know, managing your cost to serve, managing your, uh, you know, getting new products in the marketplace. Those are very important. Uh, you know, the ancillary things around that are just noise in the marketplace and you need to focus. I told the organization what I, I told the board, here are the things I would focus on. I think our balance sheet needed repairing. I don't, I don't think we really tended to our balance sheet in a way that was um, appropriate for, you know, at the end of the day, if you look at who we are, we're a financial services company. That's who we are. We, we have a bank and we, we lend money, we take deposits. That's the definition of financial services. So when I looked at the balance sheet, it needed some care and feeding. So the things we were doing in terms uh, of, of a lot of share buybacks and, and a variety of things that you know, diluted your capital were, you know, and not investing in the business were concerning for me. So I think we've got to repair our balance sheet. Another thing we talked about with the board, I talked about with the board as well. Leading from the front and being, you know, being ultimately accountable uh, was very important to me, uh, and I conveyed that to the board. And then making sure that the board was engaged. I think we have a very engaged board today. We've had some some people that have finished their board tenure, brought in a, a couple of new board members. Uh, we have a new chairman, and and the board is very engaged. And I think that's a good thing. And I think prior to you know, the board probably was a little bit of, uh, you know, at arm's length. Uh, but now I, you know, the board is engaged and, you know, I, I'm in good contact with them and I seek their advice and information and bring them along as we make changes. And, and it's a much more collaborative relationship with the board of directors and the leadership team than I think there was in the past. Can you define a pet project and what's the difference between a pet project and a new product? You know, what we did was we went brand by brand and kind of implemented things brand by brand, uh, whatever they might be. And to me, what you need to do is you need to think about how you cast a wider net with your, with your development and resource and your investment dollars. And I think we were diluting that because we said, well, okay, we're going to do something for brand A, we're going to do something for brand B, we're going to do something for brand C. Uh, my view is, what's the right thing to do for all your brands? So all your brands could draw from the well. And so we consolidated our resources rather than diluting them into each individual brand. And then something I call the general manager, the general manager model, where the portfolio, the individuals that run the portfolio need to be accountable and they need to, to, to own, you know, to own the relationship end to end, including the P&L. And that was a change we are in the process of making. And it just drives accountability at the right place where decisions are made. And, and so that's uh, some of the things we're doing differently than we had done in the past. You mentioned uh, good restaurants, and that's a little harder now, but by way of introduction to Columbus, um, what are some of the things you can do for fun these days? Well, I am a member of Columbus Athletic Club, uh, the, uh, which I really like. I think it's a, got a terrific uh, atmosphere. I spend a bit of time in the short north when I was when I'm uh, when I'm there. I think it's a it's a nice walking city. You know, I I find Columbus to be a nice walking city. Um, I do play golf, so I've been out to play golf in a couple of the uh, golf courses in the uh, in the in you know in the suburbs. I really enjoy that as well. The Eastern Mall there is just 
unbelievable. It's like being at Disney World. It's an amazing, uh, amazing facility. So we've, um, you know, come. I've furnished my, I furnished my apartment from there, uh, as as well. So I, I, I enjoy it. I think the restaurants are, you know, in the short north are really, really uh, first rate. Even during COVID, I think they've made it comfortable. You know, even though the social distancing in the restaurants, I think they've made it really comfortable to um, to be in them. And I, you know, like I said, I just love where I, I, I love my apartment building. I think it's a great place to be. I haven't lived in the city in a long time. Moved to, you know, I used to live in the city. I moved to the suburbs. So living back in the city is exciting and fun. Is there anything I forgot? I don't think so. I think I am very excited to be leading this company. I'm very excited to be to be part of the, you know, of the of, of the community there in Ohio. One of the first questions I got were, "Are you a Buckeyes fan?" Uh, was my first question. And you know, coming from the Northeast, we didn't have a lot of college football, so I uh, I said, "I don't really have a horse in this race, but I'll be a Buckeyes fan." Unfortunately, this year, no play. So for football, I'm, I'm squarely behind the Buckeyes, but for uh, for basketball and other sports, I might be a Duke fan which didn't play very well when I first got there, but I explained. My daughter is a graduate of Duke. She played field hockey there. But, uh, I, you know, it's, it's a really interesting city. I've I, uh, been to one or two hockey games. I really like that, although I'm a Ranger fan. I, I like that the, the sense of community Columbus has, particularly when there's a game and, and you go to, you, you see the, just a sense of community around the people. So I am, um, I, I'm, I'm really hoping you know, that sooner than later, I get to enjoy Columbus as it was meant to be, you know, one of the better cities in, in the U.S. So I'm excited about that. I love the airport. I think the airport's great. In and out, 15 minutes. It's a terrific airport. We're spoiled. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and stay safe out there. You too. And stay uh, safe. And uh, we'll get to meet in person someday. I hope so. Hope so soon. I'm, uh, I'm intending on spending you know, the, the, the latter part of this, this year in Columbus and, uh, you know, visiting all our centers, but it is our headquarters and I, that's where I'll be.